Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the executive director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners. Uh, and Kevin told us earlier, there are 587 of them that serve North Carolina's 100 counties. We've talked about a number of things, and uh, somewhere in the conversation, you mentioned that there were five goals that your association had, and by accident or otherwise, we've sort of covered two of them. One of them is broadband, and we've touched on that a little bit, but we're hearing that from almost every segment of the population. The medical community says broadband is so important. We found out that uh, the counties that don't have broadband are having trouble with distant learning. Uh, Those same counties, of course, uh, can have the benefit of telemedicine and uh, if we have broadband in every county. Uh, And, of course, uh, uh, the economic growth of so many counties is being held back by that. And and why is that important to the counties that have broadband? Well, you know, it's a drain on our economy. So broadband is very much a part. So I want to go a little bit more into that before we go to those other three goals that you have that we haven't touched on. Uh, so where is the where is the money going to come for broadband expansion, and how much is it going to cost to get North Carolina, say, ninety nine percent covered? That's a great question in terms of the cost. Um, uh, I have seen and heard of estimates of in the billions. Basically, if somebody had stroke a a check for a billion or a couple billion dollars, we could potentially, you know, run wire and fiber and, and things across the entire state of, of North Carolina. Um, I don't know that that's uh, a, a the right number. It's probably more than that, frankly. Um, but even when you do that, you have to talk about um, what's what's called subscription rates in, in the industry, with the telecommunications industry. You know, if you get the wires out there, uh, and you get the broadband out there, can the consumer afford the the subscription rate to to buy the service? And so that's another element, which is a subplot of element within the broadband discussion. But we're, unfortunately, we're not there yet in terms of having that debate. It's down the road because it's it's important to have that conversation. But the reason we're not there yet, as you pointed out, there's great disparity in the state of North Carolina as to who has coverage and who does not have coverage. And more and more, you have to talk about the speed of broadband. You're not talking about uh, DSL, you know, dial-up um, anymore. You're really talking about the need for a greater speed at a minimum uh, 25 megs. There are places that have fiber that are upwards of you know 100 even 500 megs of of down of the ability to communicate over over the the speeds of the internet that gets really kind of above my 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 intellectual knowledge of what all that is but it, it we're talking about newer technologies trying to get out to the hills and valleys all the hills and valleys in the in the state of North Carolina which our organization is the only statewide organization that represents every single hill and valley in the state of North Carolina and uh, we, we see that disparity greatly, especially in your more rural parts of, of North Carolina. I'll say that you could be in a big county too, uh, Wake or Meck uh, or Guilford, Forsyth. And if you, if you go outside of a, uh, a more densely populated area, you still may not have coverage. And so trying to get into those gaps, into those areas, 
is really important so that we can make sure that everybody has the ability and the option to get into, you know, to have to sign up for, for broadband. So this gets us into the, oh, I was going to read our, our, uh, our legislative goal on this, which again, 100 counties got together and adopted this particular legislative goal and asked our association to work on. Then after that, they voted it number one out of about uh, 40 or, or so goals. So to me, that says something. If you have 100 counties saying that this is pretty important and it's seek legislation, funding and other efforts to expand digital infrastructure, broadband capability to the unserved and underserved areas and residents of the state. And why uh, it gets really important to talk about those gaps is because from an organizational standpoint, the we we desire that the private sector, the telecommunications industry, do all they can to fill those gaps. I want to make sure that everyone listening hears me loud and clear say this, that county governments have zero desire to be in the business of delivering, uh, you know, service, broadband service. We're county governments are pretty good and have been traditionally at investing in infrastructure, whether it's pipes uh, or or what have you in terms of buildings and building things. That's that's where we do a lot of our work and have traditionally. So the reason I, I made a point to say that is because we want to partner with the telecommunications industry to help them build the infrastructure to build the fiber lines, to what hang wire, to do whatever technology is out there, whether it's, we, I don't think we can launch a satellite, but whatever we can do to build the infrastructure internally in those gap areas, and then lease that infrastructure or sell that infrastructure back to the telecommunications to ensure that everyone has the access needed. That is a role of government is when the free market, when the market seems to be broken or it's not going out to certain segments, that's where government, whether it's federal, state, or local, can step in and help. And why that's critically important here is because broadband is becoming more and more, as you put it, Don, it's it's making counties thrive. And those that do not have it and those areas that do not have it, it's putting them behind. And right. And it's putting them behind not only in in, uh, commerce, but it's putting them behind on access to health care. It's putting them behind on access. And the pandemic has showed this clearly putting them behind on access to education, uh, putting them behind on access to public safety. And so. I think, I think more now than ever, the pandemic has showed that there is a role for government to assist. The federal government is stepping in, and you ask where the money's going to come from. The federal government has put significant dollars into grants to tele- telecommunications industry uh, leaders to help push broadband out. The state has done that through their program called the Great Grant. County governments have the ability to give grants, but we need to change the language that's already in there because it's so unclear and murky that we've got to clarify that. And plus, 
the county government knows better than the state and the feds in terms of where to put the lines. That's we we live there. The county commissioners live there. They know what's unserved and not served, and they can vote to use county resources to put lines in the ground and then again lease that line or sell that line back to the telecommunications industry to provide broadband. North Carolina is one, I'm going to change the subject on you. North Carolina is one of, I think, 10 states in the union that has not uh, expanded Medicaid on the federal, with the federal aid program that's out there for the other 40 states. Um, has the County uh, Commissioners Association take any position on this issue? And if so, what is it? Very good question. Uh, we have taken a position on that issue and um, it's, it's making, well, first of all, it's a highly contentious issue, can be. Um, and we have members who are on both sides of that particular issue in terms of the expansion of Medicaid. Uh, we did talk about it as, a, as a, a, an organization and came up with language that supports uh, the state government's role in Medicaid and looking to them to figure out how to best serve those Medicaid populations and basically said, you know, if it's if it's beneficial to to the state to take a role in in figuring out how to better fund Medicaid, they need to figure that out. Um, long ago, uh, prior to well, long ago is I guess relative for, for folks, but in the organizational structure here, long ago in 2005, way back in 2005, um, the law changed in the state of North Carolina because Medicaid the uh, counties were actually uh, responsible for a portion of the Medicaid. And we were like the last state in the union where counties were on, uh, uh, you know, basically uh, they're helping to pay on the Medicaid side. However, the counties had zero responsibility or uh, ability to select what the Medicaid was uh, services were eligible. So there was this conflict going that the state kept saying, well, we'll keep increasing the amount of eligible coverages of Medicaid. And then it was on the financial back of the county to support that. That changed, that mechanism changed. And of course, much to the better for, for counties. And, and the state took over that responsibility. Now, there was a swap, and I really want to be clear about this, called the Medicaid swap meaning that the counties gave up a portion of their sales tax to help the state fund that. So the state took a part of the county level sales tax and, and that gets into some real complex math, but it took a piece of that to help fund the state level of Medicaid. But it's that's worked out you know, very well. Uh, and uh, so counties are, are very, I guess, cautious about entering into the Medicaid debate because it's really a state level responsibility more than it is a county level responsibility. And as you said, that it is a highly contentious uh, point and uh, good points on both sides of the issue. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, I understand the federal government is sweetening the deal a little bit, which may cause uh, some action on it. I understand that they are proposing some uh, additional expansion money that might cause North Carolina to take a second look at it. Could be. And I, I think that that's an issue, one of those issues that is evolving and has evolved significantly since probably the past two years. 
you might recall that that was the that was the issue that kind of held up the budget for adoption uh, last year, right? Maybe yeah, for the past two years, and that's what's resulted in this sort of stalemate on budget on Medicaid expansion between the governor and the general assembly. And so, uh, so yeah, uh, it's an it's a it's an issue uh, that still draws a lot of feelings. But as you said, I think that um, I think it's evolving, and I think that uh, you may see some type of resolve to that in the, in the coming session. We'll touch very briefly on lottery money. Is is uh, has this come up to the expectations of the counties? Say five or ten years ago, when the lottery was created to help uh, the school systems, uh, is there still a hope for uh, more revenue from this source or? Are the counties happy with it? Yeah. So um, uh, originally, when the lottery was adopted, um, the law stated that forty percent of the lottery revenues were to be given to counties to build schools. And um, there's a, a long history in the state of North Carolina of the state and the counties partnering together on education. Um, for about a hundred years. Uh, went back and this is just interesting to me. I did a study on this myself uh, and, and folks that I work with um, pulled together all this information that were, it, it, it yielded a, a chart that I was really, it was really cool to look at that I, every 10 years uh, with the exception around World War II, you know, starting back in the twenties, the state of North Carolina did a bond for school construction to help counties build schools. And up until the adoption of the the lottery, which is around 2005, um, that that proceeded, that that happened. But then it was like, okay, let's not let's not do the uh, the the bond anymore. Let's do the lottery. And so anyway, there's it's a longer story. Maybe we can get into it a little bit further uh, at another time. But you'll be interested to hear yeah, the story about lottery funding. Kind of running out of time in this segment. We'll be back with one final segment with Kevin Leonard right after these messages. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me. But I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. 
Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to the final segment of, Ca- of Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners, Kevin Leonard. And uh, we've talked about all sorts of things. We've spent an awful lot of time talking about uh, broadband and, of course, uh, COVID-19. Those are two things that uh, we opened the program with, but there's much more going on. And one of the things that uh, you mentioned earlier, Kevin, was the fact that uh, the association met and came up with, I think you said, like 40 goals, and they voted on it, and they came up with the top five. We've sort of covered broadband very in a lot of detail. Uh, for those of you who don't get the full hour version, you might want to go online and hear that segment. But that, of course, was number one. But let's go over those other four and spend a little bit of time talking about each one and how important it is to the 100 counties of North Carolina. Great. Don, thanks for that. And uh, again, sorry, I, I know I went on a long time about broadband, but you get me talking on no, broadband it, and I can go. So, so important to everyone. That's, that's fine. <laughs> Well, we actually covered number two, um, uh, I think, uh, fairly well. It's school funding about the bond and any additional funds for schools to build schools and school capital and and renovation. So that's our number two legislative goal. Um, And we are, again, continue to work with the leadership in the General Assembly, as well as the governor on working on an infrastructure bond that would include, include school capital as well as trying to up that number that we were talking about in terms of monies coming from the lottery fund earmarked basically for school construction. So that's number two. Number three, this gets into some real county government weeds. Uh, When a county uh, has the ability to pass a local option sales tax, um, and more times than not, it's really focused at schools, school construction or some specific type of project related to like, it's time to build a new courthouse or it's time to build a new jail. The, 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 the legislative goal is to change the ability to create specific ballot language when you go to vote on it. Because right now, when you go to vote, it's basically a, a, a generic question. Do you want to pass your local sales tax option to increase your tax from X to X? right? Well, that doesn't really tell you why you're voting on that. So our membership has asked us to to change the law that would allow for a county government to say, we're voting on building a new school. And it would be dedicated towards that, that revenue would be dedicated towards that source. So uh, that's goal number three. So basically, I would say a transparency goal in informing and educating the, the public. Number four, a a critically important goal for us is mental health funding, mental health and substance abuse funding, which counties have a role in in providing mental health services through our health and human services functions at the the county level is just critically important. And as we come out, hopefully it's sooner rather than later, come out of this pandemic, I think we're going to see a great need for mental health services coming out of this pandemic because uh, of all of the issues that, uh, that people are, are dealing with. So that's, that's number four. And number five may not surprise our listeners, but it's basically to protect our county revenues and our county revenue streams. Uh, and so sometimes uh, the General Assembly or the federal government will want to uh, either wind those back or put restrictions on county government funding and how to raise those types of funding. And uh, we want to make sure that 
that we have as, as many options at our disposal as we can in terms of the ability to, to raise or lower, I would say, revenues for our counties. It, you know, a number of our counties and uh, counties in general have that responsibility of having that hand on the lever in terms of setting what the, the property tax rate is as well as what the sales tax rate is on top of the state rate in their county. So protecting revenue streams uh, and, and the ability to, to do revenue, to collect revenue. Those are the top five goals of the association, Don. Well, your communications director, uh, Lacey, uh, pointed out that a number of counties have come up with some rather unique and innovative situations that uh, have actually uh, come about because of the COVID-19. You know, for example, this program, we're recording uh, by Zoom. Uh, Kevin is in one location, uh, Jason is in yet another, and I'm in a third. Uh, so we're all learning some new tricks. What are some of the innovative things that some of the counties have done that uh, may indeed uh, prove to be very valuable later on? Well, I, I always say, if you've got a really difficult problem in front of you, um, and you got to work, you got to find a solution, go find a county commissioner and go find a county manager. And you put them, you put them on that problem and you're going to find some really unique uh, solutions. You know, we have a program here at the association. It's, it's, uh, it's actually funded by the local government federal credit union. So I'll, I'll put a plug in for them. They're great partners. They, they help fund a program called the Innovation Awards. And every year uh, we highlight just some really imaginative and innovative solutions to really complex problems. And so it's not surprising to me now that we're here in the midst of a pandemic, you have counties who are, are standing up new programs to help in this particular situation. Henderson County created a vaccine strike team to cover nursing facilities and uh, that did not enroll in the federal government program to do so. So they um, uh, just uh, um, themselves came up with a program to go out there and involve their county employees, county staff, county uh, EMS folks to, to do a strike team that specifically focused on nursing homes. And I'm going back to the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, th these were some really unknown, uncharted territory, and they didn't know what they were getting themselves into, but it really had a major positive impact in that community up in Henderson in Henderson County. Jackson County, uh, they participated in a surveillance pilot program for wastewater monitoring to detect COVID, and that's now been replicated in uh, several places across the state. It's a great uh, program that you know give, gives uh, sort of a notice about what the levels of COVID are uh, utilizing their wastewater treatment facilities. Um, a number of counties, so I'm just gonna pick out one, but um, Randolph County, but Randolph's just, uh, which is right in the middle of the state, is emblematic of so many other counties in the state of North Carolina that have put up systems to help small businesses, um, to help make sure that they, they, they are able to stay afloat and when we were talking earlier, Don, about the, the stimulus package, especially the first one back in, um, I think that was the April timeframe of 2020, those dollars were uh, granted to local governments, county governments in our case, 
to set up programs like that, set up programs that were going to help small businesses. County, county governments rely on small businesses. They want to make sure that those small businesses stay afloat in their communities. They're the lifeblood of their communities. And so, again, numerous, if not all, of our counties were able to set up programs that supported them financially through these funds coming down from the stimulus package. And those were operated by the county government. Um, so, and just, uh, you have another uh, couple of counties, Yadkin County is, is one of them, who hired their, hired their own COVID specialists during the pandemic that provides life-saving assistance to residents by bridging communications between patients and medical providers. Um, so you've got dedicated individuals being tasked with just this pandemic response. So those are just a number of, of creative uh, programs that are going out on out there. I could go on, but uh, but, but I think that, that hits on it. Well, you know, we mentioned earlier on that uh, one of the good things, the legislature, legislature uh, session is back. And uh, fortunately, they're not going to be as stressed as we had feared. That's the good news uh, as far as uh, assistance coming from the state. Uh, and, of course, you'll be working with your counter organization, the League of Municipalities, which represent the cities. And, of course, all the cities are part of the counties. Correct. They, they are so, indeed. Uh, I, guess, I, I guess the picture is not as dark as maybe a year ago we might have thought it might be. Yeah, you know, I think this is a situation where um, everybody sort of last year looking into unknown, that's always scary, right? And now we've, yeah. we've, we've, gotten, uh, we've gotten through this. We're not out of it yet. And the safety precautions are still necessary in terms of, you know, mask wearing and, and doing the things necessary to protect yourself and others around you. But yeah, I think things are looking up and the vaccine coming out at the turn of the year and sort of there was a lot of, I think, uh, a conversation about, well, that rollout hasn't gone as smoothly as, as we had hoped or thought. But the fact of the matter is, and I, 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 my opinion, is that, gosh, we've never done this before. <laughs> yeah. At least no one that I know has done this before. And when you're talking about vaccinating 10 million people, I think we're doing pretty good. Now, yeah, could well, it be 10 better? In North Carolina, and, and that's just a fraction of the population of the entire country. I mean, I, I think, uh, relatively speaking, it's, it's going maybe better than some people might have feared. Well, that's that's the thing. You know, I have an opportunity to work with um, a lot of folks across the United States in the work that we do. And um, you may think the grass is always greener or, you know, they're doing it better somewhere else. But from my observation, um, we're doing it pretty well here in North Carolina. And it's also been my observation. And, you know, I get I get the opportunity to work with some extraordinary leaders across this state. County commissioners, no slight against our friends over at the General Assembly or in Congress, but our county commissioners are some of the best public servants you will ever meet. They, they put their name on their, on their ballot at the local level. They run for office, they get elected, and everybody gets to see them at the grocery store and at church and walking down the street and every single issue that you've got, whether it's the garbage or whether it's a dog, you know, a loud dog, or whether it's building a school 
or mental health problems, you name it, they get to hear about it. They're living in the community. They're some of the most. They are right there and easily reachable. And that uh, uh, is always, you know, I, I made a list one time of people that uh, jobs that I wouldn't want to take. And uh, uh, one of them was city manager. Another was county uh, manager. And the third one was uh, head football coach of a county with only one high school. <laughs> uh, those, those are the three jobs that I wouldn't want to take under any circumstances uh, because they are, uh, they are, are tough jobs. really close to the public and everybody's got an opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, Kevin Leonard, who has uh, been uh, with the County Commissioners Association uh, since uh, June of 2009. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong. And if you'd like to hear a repeat of the broadcast, or those of you who Listen to the 30-minute version. You can listen to the full-hour version by going online to carolinanewsmakers.com, and you can hear the entire broadcast, or you can share it with a friend. We'll be back again next week with another interesting guest, and we'll look forward to seeing you at that time. So the next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.